What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Be On The Course podcast. Today's guest is Georgia Oboe, a professional golfer on the Ladies European Tour. Georgia, how are you? Thanks for joining me today. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for doing this. So tell us a little bit uh, what you're up to at the moment. Are you, you're not playing this weekend, of course. So what, what are you up to at the moment and, and what have you got planned over the next few weeks golf-wise? Uh, well, right now I'm kind of taking, I guess, uh, kind of a week off at home. Um, I did try and Monday qualify for the British Open. That's taking place this weekend. I wasn't able to make it through. So now I'm just moving on to the next events on the Ladies European Tour schedule. So the next two events are Scafto, Scafto Open and then the Creek House Ladies Open, um, both in Sweden before we moved to Switzerland and then France. Yeah, and you played a few weeks ago, didn't you? I think you, you had a, a nice finish there. I believe it was your, was it your, your best finish on that last tournament. Um, how, how do you think this season's gone for you so far? Um, I think it's, it's been steady improvement. Uh, to be honest, coming into the season, I wasn't able to practice and compete as much as I normally would have done uh, because I was in Manchester in the UK. Um, and then we had another lockdown at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. So practice-wise, it was limited. And then I kind of just, in a few events, it just... Um, Getting back into the touring life, I had changed my clubs. So it was more of just, again, adapting. Um, we've been adapting for the past year and a half. So uh, nothing nothing too serious, but yeah, steady improvement. And um, I think my game's in a really good position now. So I'm um, looking forward to some good results over the next few weeks. Yeah, it has obviously been a, a big adjustment for, for all of you guys and girls out there on the tour. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about the experience of the last year or so since the pandemic started for, for you out on, on tour trying to play? Um, well, I had the opportunity to play the Ladies Scottish Open um, last season. So that was like the first event back for the Ladies European Tour. Um, it was an interesting experience playing in Gullen um, at the Renaissance Club. Uh, I mean, the tour, they've done you know all they can to make it as safe and well safe and secure as possible while trying to give us as much playing opportunities as they can um the past few weeks on tour uh have been really good truth be told we haven't had many positive cases in general so that's that's great in terms of securing more events and just keeping the restrictions as they are and eventually loosening them up um, but overall, it's, it's still been a good experience. Uh, we've still been able to play a decent number of events since then. And uh, we're just looking forward to the rest of the season and the years ahead. Yeah, and you mentioned Manchester there, that you were mm-hmm. you were back trying to practice there a little bit during the kind of pandemic. And, you, and then you've lived in, have you lived in Manchester or was it just London or a little bit of both? Um, well, I was actually born in Manchester, so it's, kind of the opposite way so I was born in Manchester then my family and I moved to London then what did we do then we came back to Manchester then we went to live in Nigeria for like 18 months and then we've come back so we've we've moved about um a fair bit but yeah uh from the from time I was born until year five 
I was in England. And then year six, year seven, I was in Nigeria. And then I came back to finish up. But, um, you know, I wouldn't change the experience I had growing up for anything. Uh, my parents have always been really supportive of me. And being able to go and stay in, live in Nigeria, see all my family there, um, it was it was great. And uh, really, I think it still helped my development as a golfer. And it also allowed me to really explore my Nigerian heritage. Yeah, and you started playing golf around five or six, was it? Um, so tell us about that. How did you get started in the game and, and why? Well, I, so I officially really started about six is when I started taking lessons and then eventually competing. So my parents were competitive club golfers. Um, so, so I always tell this story like every time they ask me how to get into golf. So what happened was um, my grandmother was really the first one in the family to play. So she came to London when we were staying there and she wanted to play. So my dad took her out one day and they ended up going to different golf clubs um, because she didn't have a handicap, so they wouldn't let her play. So they finally get to like upon those pay and play. And um, so she plays and then she's like, okay, um, my dad should give it a go. Because at the time he was a bit stressed out because he was running a business. And then he was also building a photo studio beside the business and he, she just thought it'd be good, you know, like stressfully for him. So he started and then he got my mom into it. Um, they became like, yeah, they became competitive um, at the club level. They won Order of Merit at Brocket Hall a bunch of times. And then eventually they started taking me out on the golf course uh, because we lived in central London. Mm -hmm. So when I mean central London, I mean, you could, from where I live, you could walk to Baker Street. Okay. So, so them being all the way in Hertfordshire and then me being in central London with the babysitter became an issue. So they would just take me along and then they'd let, you know, other members through. And so I got exposed to golf um, that way. And then I eventually started taking lessons at the age of six and uh, I started competing on the British Junior Golf Tour and it really just sprung from there. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned your, your parents are obviously then competitive golfers, so it might kind of answer the next question. But when I was listening to some of the other girls on tour kind of talk about you, they seem to always talk about kind of your, your work ethic and, and how hard you practice and all that kind of thing. So yeah. where do you think that comes from? Is that coming from your parents? Is that just something that you've always been like since you were born? Um, it's a combination of both. Um, I mean, my parents, they are hard workers. They been able to run several businesses um, in several different countries and still be able to you know raise a family and take us along the journey uh, but at the same time they also wanted me to get into golf as a challenge just something to challenge me and push me further and that's really what it been. I've I'm grateful that I had like the British Junior Golf Tour um, because at that point in time, it was, I mean, it's still around now, but back then it was really strong. And we had players, I'm sure you've heard of um, Alice Houston, mm -hmm. Michael Penge, Sophie Lamb, uh, Annabelle Fuller, Samantha Fuller, her sister. Actually, Annabelle, she just made the cut to British Open this week. Mm -hmm. So really willing for her to play well. 
um, we are, it was a very strong um, competitive system. So I also got used to competing and traveling at the same time, which I think really helped when I started to grow older and I had to do that, but longer stretches of time and further away from home. But yeah, it's my golfing journey. Is, it's been long. It's, it's been great. Yeah, I mean, imagine playing with people as, as good as that. It makes you better, doesn't it? Rather than playing with people that, that aren't on the same level as you. But tell us a little bit more about um, your journey then growing up and playing golf. You, you mentioned there you, you did the, the classes starting at around six years old. But I saw in an interview you mentioned about some of the difficulties you had uh, growing up with maybe the lack of girls to play with. So tell us a little bit about that and how did you kind of overcome that and, and obviously get to where you are today? Um, yeah, just my parents mainly, they did everything they could to find me a golf club with a good junior section. So I went, I've been a member of like several golf clubs in Hertfordshire. So if I'm right, I was a member of Midhurts, uh, Redbourne, Pinner Hill, um, in, well, Pinner Hills in Middlesex, I think. And then a few a few others so I moved around a bit in terms of clubs just for like a good junior section but yeah growing up there weren't as many girls where I was um mm -hmm. it was definitely behind, um girls around my age or even a bit older but um a good club at the time there was Mill Green and um, they had a very good junior section they had a few girls who were a bit older than me who I could, who I kind of looked up to as, okay, I want to be able to, you know, in a year or two, I want to be able to play the way they're playing. But all in all, I were a big driving force um, in making sure I could compete with people who are around my age, with girls around my age. Um, but yeah, we, we still had good, uh, like I'll say again, competitive systems. So British Junior Golf Tour was a good one. Um, Faldo series I don't think I really played Faldo series but it was also it was also there so I still think I had enough opportunities um to improve and it's all part of the building blocks of where I am now yeah I mean you touched on that um a couple of times and so how, how do you think that um sort of experience played in those sort of tournaments helped you as a, as a player now in the in the British junior ones um British junior golf though so Fun fact, I'm sure you wouldn't have been able to find this. Um, I was actually player of the year in 2007. 2007, yeah. Um, and I got player of the year because I was, I used to smile on the golf course like all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. That's nice. So, I, um, yeah, I, not, I mean, I really, at that age, I really enjoyed competing, um, especially, I think my main rival at the time was Hannah Screen, uh, who's, uh, she's now in the United States uh, playing college golf. I'm not sure whether she made the Curtis Cup, otherwise I would have mentioned she's in the Curtis Cup. Um, but yeah, I had, you know, a few good rivalries to kind of like push me to be better. And then, yeah, my parents were very supportive. We were, I'm British in a golf tour. It was, it's a, a bit like how, you know, professional, tour, professional tours now where it's different venues every weekend but in a different place. And then in the summer, we would go to places like Celtic Manor to play like the finals. And um, 
all in all, it was just a great competitive experience. We had, um, you know, girls and boys playing on the same courses on the same days. And I just had like, I had a few role models that I could look up to and I could see like a future in golf for myself. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially the kind of closest you can get to that professional environment, can't you, at that sort of age? Um, I mean, did you fit right into it at the start or did you have a little bit of a struggle at the start or did you kind of just, you know, slip straight into your, to your comfort zone? Um, I think I slipped in well. Uh, I think the number of trophies I have somewhere in storage <laughs> will probably prove that. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, again, I was so competitive and I loved having the trophies. I loved showing the trophies off when people would come to our house and then that church up was like, these are my trophies. And um, I think I just had the passion to compete and to play and to get better. And to be honest with you, as you get older, you know, if you want to really succeed as a professional, you still have to have that same passion and drive sure. to compete and to still be better. Um, and I hope I still have, I'll continue to have that for as long as I can. For sure. And then you also went on as well to play in the Junior Olympics in uh, 2018, was it? Um, I yeah. mean, again, same sort of question with that experience. What did that kind of teach you? How did that improve you as a, as a golfer and a person? Oh, yeah, the Youth Olympics. Um, again, it was it was a great opportunity to represent Nigeria um, in the golfing discipline. Uh, I will say one thing, any Olympic Games, it's, it's a completely other, you know, kind of experience. Being able to be in that environment with so many different athletes from all over the world. Um, I had the opportunity to cheer on my fellow Nigerians in athletics and we did win silver silver in the men's and gold in the women's for 100 meters so that was really nice but I mean as as a golfer I I guess I could see how I matched up with other boys and girls in my age group um it was a it was a great experience in terms of still again traveling and then because it was Argentina, so not many people spoke English, so I also kind of got immersed into Spanish a bit. So they were to by the time we were going home, I was able to understand a bit of Spanish. Um, but as a person, just being able to play in high caliber events um, and travel the world, it's a great opportunity. You learn something about yourself after every trip. Um, and after I played that event, I knew that I was ready to then take the next step and enter um, Lady European Tokyo School and then become a professional after that. Yeah, I mean, I was going to move on to that. So then you ended up going to Q School and obviously that's how you got your, your LET tour card. But it was uh, quite a nervy last day, I believe, wasn't it, when you actually got that tour card? So tell us a little bit about that experience, that kind of last day when you first found out that you that you got your card. Uh, yeah, so what had happened was I was, I think I teed off in the morning. Yeah, so I teed off in the morning and um, I was teeing off on the 10th hole. And there's, it's a par five. So there's uh, water that snakes around the hole to the left. And then, yeah, you pretty much, well, it's, been, it's just one of those holes that's kind of just sideways. Mm -hmm. So um, I put the 
I did put my t-shirt on the water on the first 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 drive the last day t-shirts in the water but I'm not I'm not like angry I'm not like upset or anything so I just take my drop and then I make a six so okay I bogey the first hole and then the second hole if I'm correct I bogey the second hole because there's a short part four going up the hill so I kind of just uh I relaxed and you know, kind of just continue to play my game until the last couple of holes where I go. Um, I think the last three holes it must be something like bogey, bogey, par, and like the last part. But I, you know, had to really just take my time and really settle down and just stroke it because I knew I was on the fringe of making it or missing it. Um, but yeah, it really came down to the why. It really came down to how. Um, people behind how they played and yeah I was able to make that final make the four round cut to get to the fifth round for positioning but um my family was with me then and um they were great support so thank god I got through and the rest is history yeah I mean you must be pretty um you know happy with yourself having that kind of start and then still managing to you know, obviously keep your nerve and, and get back on track to then eventually get the card. So that's brilliant. And you're the first Nigerian to play on the LET as well. Um, you know, what does that mean to you? Uh, well, to be honest, um, I guess it's nice to be the first, but I I'm, don't want to be the last. Um, there are some girls and women in the wings. So hopefully within the next five years, you'll be seeing, you know, three, four, five Nigerians on tour at the same time. But um, at the end of the day, you know, being Nigerian is, it's part of who I am, but it's not like, oh, I'm just a Nigerian professional golfer. That's not everything. Um, I would like to be a role model. I am, to be honest, I am a role model. But yeah, I would like to lead the way for more to come through. And um, that's why like every little success I have, is so important not just to myself but to those who are looking up to me and waiting for their time yeah you've talked a lot about you know you've got a passion for for helping that next generation from uh, nigeria and africa in general to come through as golfers and i know that you also i believe you work with an organization um regarding the Senegal olympics i read as well i know they've been delayed but um so you know what, what sort of things are you doing at the moment with all that to support all that and and what is it that you want to achieve uh well to be honest with covid now things kind of got uh thrown about but the main goal is especially with this senegal Olymp olympics coming up to be honest it's kind of for africa it's kind of a benefit that's been delayed because then that gives us more time to prepare and train our juniors um to perform at the Olympic Games, uh, obviously Paris 2024 is, you know, virtually around the corner now. Mm -hmm. So that's a personal goal of mine to represent Nigeria on that stage. Um, but really the goal is to use golf as a vehicle for social change. Since golf is one of the few sports where men and women can compete together at the same time for the same prize money, etc. So I think using golf and using my position in golf can really make a difference. Um, we do have, on the men's side, we do have some professionals who are starting to come out more on the international stage. And, 
even locally, um, we have some big supporters for the younger professional golfers. Uh, we have our own tour. We have like an African tour as well. So professional golf is growing in Nigeria. It's growing in Africa. Um, we're just trying to make the next few steps. And uh, again, hopefully in the next five, six years, we're going to see more professional golfers on the bigger professional tours um, worldwide, representing yeah. African nations. Yeah, and your, your first professional win was in the Ivory Coast, correct, as well? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're, you're still very young. You've had a short career, but you've already won lots of events. You've, you've won some different awards. I know you, uh, for a very special award, you were not only the only female athlete, but you were also the youngest nominee uh, for that award, yeah. I think. Um, so which of the kind of wins, awards, et cetera, that you've done so far is kind of the most special to you? Oh, um. That's, that's a tough question because I've, I've won a few. Uh, I mean, I will have to say, I will say, first of all, the win in Ivory Coast was really special because that was my first week as a professional golfer, my first event that I was playing as a professional. And it was a bit of a nervy finish. So, it was, again, one of those you hold your nerves and go away with the win. Um, in terms of awards, uh, so the award where I was the only female and the youngest um, nominee, that was the Future Africa Award. And then the title of it was Nigeria's New Tribe. And to be honest, I was going up against some pretty tough contenders for, for uh, the sports category. Uh, but just to be nominated was an honor. Um, some of the other nominees in other categories were are really um inspiring professionals in their own field so I'm just really grateful to have been part of that um, well part of that award ceremony but also to be kind of included in that group of Nigerians who are paving the way for a brighter future. Yeah in, in terms of the future short and long-term goals I know you you are one that sets a lot of goals I've, I've read all sorts of different articles where you talk where you're talking about obviously winning the LET event first you know you want to get your card for the LPGA you want to be number one so mm -hmm. what are your kind of short-term goals and then what are the the, the, the long-term goals? Yeah um, to be honest I'm pretty much keeping to the same um, but obviously because the goals are you know set a good height for myself so that's probably why they're still sticking the same so yeah uh winning on the LET um and then well I wouldn't let me change it I'm going to say win on the LET in the short term I'll say long term-ish winning on the LPGA then becoming you know world number one and then hopefully winning like if you know doing the career grand slam every winning every major that's on offer um but obviously, the whole thing with goals, even if I don't achieve most of them, the fact that I've set those goals, I've set that standard for myself, um, will probably mean I'm going to be pretty successful. And um, again, just inspiring the next generation. Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible that you have those, those kind of goals, because some people would say maybe it's unrealistic, but it's incredible that you have that that kind of belief in yourself. Um, so what do you feel like you need to do to achieve at least those short-term goals, say, of getting that first win and maybe getting your LPGA? What do you feel like you need to do? Um, I mean, really in professional golf, it's just 
scoring, I would say, is the main thing. You know, some people say, oh, I want to hit it further, I want to chip better, I want to putt better. Yeah, we, you know, everyone, I think every golfer would love to do all those things. Of course. Um, but yeah, if at the end of the day, you have to be able to put 18 holes of good golf together, put 36 holes, 54 holes, 72 holes, so a whole week of golf together, and then um, get that win. Uh, again, being young, um, the past few years have been a great experience. So I think I'm now in the position where I can really win what contend and win um my swings i've also made some swing changes so my swing is feeling a lot stronger compared to when i became a professional initially so i mean i have increased distance in all fairness right since turning professional having increased driving distance um and my putting has been one of my strong suits like if I'm if I'm putting well then usually my score is pretty good uh so it's again fresh it's just really bringing it all together you know during one week just bringing it all together and putting a good score down at the end of the yeah. day I can't control what anybody else does sure I mean I imagine consistency is a big part of it as you yeah. mentioned they're putting it all together for all 18 holes and then all three or four rounds or whatever it may be so what about the LPGA as well I mean obviously that's a, a completely different animal to say the LET and um I, you, you know all your experience mm -hmm. is probably on on the LET isn't it you have you had any experience played in America uh yes yeah. so first of all as an amateur golfer I played a lot in America so in terms of American courses I, you know, like I can, uh, yeah, I've had great experiences in America, to be honest. Um, I, I did LPGQ school in 2019. I did, um, I decided not to do it this year. Um, but in 2019, yeah, I did stage one. I wasn't able to make it through, but it was still a great experience overall. And um, yes, Definitely, there is a shift when you go from LT to LPGA, not necessarily in, um, oh, you have to chip better, pop better, etc. It's really just an adjustment to the culture, the lifestyle, because remember, in on the Asia European tour, you're playing most of it in continental Europe, where, you know, you use, um, what's it called, you're using the Euros, so it's strange because technically in Europe, it's they're speaking different languages, but they're using more or less the same currency. Sometimes it's different. Um, but when you go over to America, it's the same language, one currency, but at the same time, America is very big. Mm -hmm. So the golf courses can be very different. Um, the grass, definitely one thing, the grass can be different. Temperatures can be different at the same time. Uh, I would like to think that I'll soon be prepared to take on the LPGA. But at, at the same time, like the first few years when you join any tour, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a learning curve. Sure. And uh, it's all about adapting, adapting to the lifestyle, adapting to the environment. And yeah, probably just staying a bit calm, to be honest. It's very easy mm -hmm. to get anxious once the results aren't coming or you're making some changes and especially as a professional golfer, when we don't have a lot of time, once the season starts, you don't have a lot of time to 
make those changes and then implement them properly because at the same time you're trying to score and you're trying to win money and trying to make the cut but it's one of the reasons uh, why you need to have the real passion and the drive to continue so I guess that's why we say um, as golf as professional golfers we're professional athletes. And did, you just mentioned that you changed your swing recently did you say? Yeah. So I mean how did you decide to do that uh, in that time then I mean you just mentioned a really good point there about changing a swing like mid-season or there's not really any good time to do it when you've got to then go out and compete the next weekend or, or whatever it may be so uh, how did you decide that and, and what was it that made you decide to to make some changes on the swing? Um, it was in terms of uh, accuracy with the drive with the, with the driver and with my irons so previously I would hit a bit of a mostly a bit of a fade with the irons um, and then driver would be pretty straight and then maybe the occasional fade but nothing too problematic but with the irons the fade was becoming a problem because I would then set up saying okay the flag's tucked in the tucked on the right side I'm just going to aim center of the green or center left and then I double cross myself and then I'm center left or the far left and the green while the flag's on okay. the complete opposite side. So I'm now moving away from coming more inside uh, to begin with, but as God would have it, the way I swing, I pretty much, once I go, uh, how do I explain it? This, I use the same pass to go back as the same pass to come through most of the time, which is why I was ending up with a bit of a fade anyway. So as opposed to some people that would kind of go back and then come from the, uh, like reroute and come from the inside a little bit. I don't necessarily do that. So now I'm going back more inside and then still trying to come from the inside, which is leading to a bit of a draw, but it's still for me better than the alternative. So yeah, it's, it's not easy to make swing changes mid season, but I've, um, my dad, who's my coach, He's um, always tried to do what's best for me, and I trust him in terms of swing changes, club changes, ball, etc. And I know that if I stick to it and not be too concerned about the results, then it all work out fine. So, yeah. So, do you feel like you've kind of got everything nailed down now with the new swing, or is it something you're still working on at the moment? Um, well, to be honest with you, I think golf is always a work in progress. True. <laughs> so, Very true. So. Yeah, um, again, sometimes as a professional golfer, it can be difficult to stick to new changes because you're always thinking about your score, especially once competition starts, you're thinking about scoring. So I still think that my swing is pretty strong now and it's probably the strongest it's been. And uh, I'm looking again, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. Um, I have a really good feeling about the next two weeks in Sweden. So. Yeah, so you, you've competed in both of those tournaments. So what makes you what makes you feel confident about that? Um, what are you looking out for at those particular courses? What do you think you need to do to play well around those courses? Um, so, I mean, I've had a look at um, the first one in Skafto, Skafto Golf Club. And it's probably one of the shortest courses, might be the shortest course we will play on tour, period. Um, 
and it's probably tree lined. I've seen that it's tree lined. There's a bit of bit of water. Obviously, normally bunkers. A lot of pathways. They have, I think it was six pathways, which is unusual. Um, so I think it's really just going to be consistency of the tea, not necessarily getting as close to the green as possible. Sometimes it's better to get as close to the green as possible and then just take potentially the five out of, you know, bogey or double out of play. Mm -hmm. um, but it's more of like what I see when I, when I get there and where my landing zones will be. Uh, the weather is supposed to be supposed to be okay. Um, better than Manchester. Manchester is just uh, cloudy and rainy most yeah. of the time. Tell me about it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for Scafto, you know, it's it's looking good. I'm I'm excited um, to go. They did host a lead access event there two years ago, and then they hosted one of their Swedish golf tour events there last year. So some of the girls will know the course. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I just play what's in front of me. Sure. And what's your kind of normal preparation and routines before a tournament? Obviously, you mentioned your dad's the, the coach. What, what do you like to do um, before the, the tournament? Are you somebody that walks around the course and has a look at it? Or what, what do you like to do? Um, I'll usually play the course twice, primarily because I'm usually not playing the prom. Usually not. So I would usually go early to the course. Um, I mean, now with COVID, I can't really, can't really do that more than going during the tournament week. Um, but yeah, probably 36 holes on the course before tournament, then like kind of rest up a bit the day prior so that I have energy for the actual tournament. Mm -hmm. And then it, it depends on the kind of course more like what you're going to practice so since the course is tree lined and uh, um, not particularly long it's probably going to be more practice on like my woods and my irons iron specifically because my woods maybe because i'm not taking driver that much off the tee because i don't need to mm -hmm. and then um putting you know putting is it's one of the most important parts. It's the most important. Well, it's in between driving and putting because at the end of the day, you need to be able to put them on play first to give yourself a chance to put in regulation, first of all. But yeah, it's at the same time, there's no point being great tee to green and then on the green, you just can't hold anything. Um, yeah, so I, think that's, I think that's what balance. the majority of the... Of the so I was just going to say, I think that's what the majority yeah. of the pros normally say. It's it's driver and putter for the exact reasons that you just mentioned there. Yeah. <laughs> Makes Don't sense, be simple right? like that. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you, what sort of like course or is there any particular countries or courses that you prefer to play in that you think best suits your game? Um. Well, I would probably say I'd have to, my dad, first of all, my dad would probably say America that American courses suit my game better. Um, I kind of have to lean towards American style courses whereby you have uh, space off the tee 
But at the same time, I kind of like courses where the other people may say it are difficult, um, where it kind of teaches you where to go. So there's a bunker to the right. You could just go left of that bunker and you're on the fairway. As opposed to sometimes, you know, what the course architects do is that they give you a lot of options. And as a professional golfer, sometimes having so many options is a bad thing. Mm-hmm because then you have to make sure you're choosing the right option for you at the right time. Because sometimes going for the green, let's say going for the green in two and a par five may not be the best option that day because the pin is tucked in the back right and you're now in the bunker and you can't get there close. So maybe better to lay up and pitch on. Other times it could be that well, because of how that green is, just get as close to the green as possible and just take a risk with the bunker or take a risk with the chip as opposed to laying back and you can't see the pin, you can't really get yarded, etc. So yeah, golf, um, golf can be very strategic, uh, which is why you try and make it as simple as possible, just put them on the fairway, put them on the green. But that's a challenge. It sounds like you're, you're pretty confident about those events coming up. So, I, I mean, I wish you all the best in those. And one thing I wanted to just touch on before we finish this is that I noticed as well that you've also got a website and that you like to do a bit of writing in your spare time. So, you know, where yes. did that come from and what sort of writing do you like to do? Is it just a bit of blogging or what is it that you like? Um, so I've always been a bit of a writer. When I was younger, I really liked to do creative writing, like short stories, um, you know, I'd invent characters. Um, I mean, now with the blog, it's pretty much just generally what I'm doing on tour during a specific week. So I try and, well, the plan is to do two blog entries um, a week. So on the Monday and a Saturday, usually because I'm either finishing on Saturday or I'm finishing on Sunday. So either way, there's like a post-tournament recap. And then I talk about like the next tournament. If I'm not competing that week, I'll talk about what I'm doing at home. Or like if um, in the case of two months ago, when it was my sister's birthday, I talked about how we're at home celebrating, etc. So it's just, it was actually um, Chris Hansen who gave me the idea to start it up again. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've, I've played with him actually um, on 2020 Pro Tour. So yeah, he's been on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, you know, when I was looking through like people you've um, interviewed and I'm like, yeah, I know Chris Hansen. I know Isabella. Mm -hmm. And I know Christina Kim. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, I kind of got inspired to do the blog. Um, I started it April this year. And then I obviously started the season in May. Uh, I've fallen behind, to be honest with you, because the schedule has just been so busy this summer. Um, but again, it's great. It's great for the tour. It gives us a lot of options of when we want to play, as opposed to if there are less events, then you're trying to play as many of those events as you can. But yeah, we after this next stretch of like four weeks in a row, then it kind of slows down until... Yeah, it's it it slows down until the until like the end of yeah until the end of October, and then we do 
one, two, three weeks in a row, and then a week off, and then the finale. So it's um, it's looking good, to be honest, for the rest of the season. I'm confident in my game, just trying to get. I really just need like a couple good weeks, and my card's done. So yeah, you know that's the inch intricacies of uh, professional golf, but that's another discussion. <laughs> sure well for anybody that wants to check out your website it's uh, ladygeorgiagolf.com and anybody that wants to find you on instagram or twitter it's georgia obo um it's been great talking to you georgia thank you for taking the time to do this and like i said i wish you all the best it sounds like you're pretty confident about these next couple of events coming up so um i can't wait to see you win your first let event and go from there thank you thanks so much for having me on the show thank you very much cheers guys 